Today on the Matt Wall Show, a two-year-old child and her family is kicked off a United flight because she wouldn't wear a mask. We'll discuss why masking children is an especially pointless, cruel, and cowardly move, so much that it manages to stand out amid all the other pointless, cruel, and cowardly things happening right now in relation to COVID. Also, five headlines, including Bill Gates telling us that we cannot go back to normal for a while, you know, even over a year. In his opinion, it's supposed to matter about this for some reason. Also, the Cleveland Indians have solved racism by changing their name. And in our daily cancellation, I will cancel Jill Biden. One of many Jill Biden cancellations yet to come. Something tells me all of that and more coming up today on The Matt Walsh Show. Well, we know that business owners have met a lot of challenges, to put it mildly, this year. Um, And one of the greatest challenges that, no matter what year it is, uh, one of the greatest challenges that you face as a business owner is putting together a good HR team. And it's just, it's really hard to, to run a company if you don't have a, a good HR team. When running a business, HR issues can absolutely kill you. You've got wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, tons of red tape to navigate. Um, and if you don't, uh, if you don't really specialize in that area, it can be really difficult to do. And HR manager salaries are not cheap. An average of $70,000 a year we're talking about. And that's why it's great you have Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E. And they were created specifically for small businesses. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, maintain your compliance, do all that stuff, all for just $99 a month. So you can pay $99 a month or $70,000 a year. Seems like an easy choice. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest asset, biggest strength and asset. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, real-time chat, from onboarding determinations. They customize your policies to fit your business and they help you manage your employees on a day-to-day basis. Again, they're doing all that for just $99 a month. Uh, month to month, no hidden fees. You can cancel anytime, so you're not getting locked into something you don't want to be a part of, but you do want to be a part of this. Bambi can help with all of your issues and you can get a free HR audit today. I would really recommend doing that. What you got to do though is go to Bambi.com slash Walsh right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash Walsh, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash Walsh. You know, it's long been clear to anyone with a discerning mind that many of the measures we've seen ostensibly meant to curb the virus are actually just for show. They are at best psychological protections uh, designed not to make people not to, not to make people safer, but to make people feel like they are safer. You know, they might be likened to the signs you see in restaurant bathrooms that say employees must wash hands before returning to work. Hopefully the employees already know to wash their hands. If they don't know about that basic hygiene practice, probably the sign's not going to do much good and you already have food poisoning anyway. But the sign is there just to make you feel like the employees are practicing good hygiene, whether they actually are or not. A video went viral over the weekend, which reveals, I think, the charade in poetic fashion. An unnamed DOJ official can be seen preparing to walk um, uh, onto the stage for a press conference. Right before walking onto the stage, he puts on his face mask. Then he travels from the side of the stage to the podium and takes it off to speak. So he has it on for all of about 10 seconds. It's absurd. But in fairness to the bureaucrat in the video, it's really no different from the now common practice of wearing a mask as you walk through a restaurant only to take it off and speak loudly at your table for 90 minutes. You are least likely to spread COVID while walking quietly to your table. Yet that's the precise time when you're made to wear the mask. There's no scientific reason for this, except in the sense that a placebo effect is 
in its way a scientific phenomenon. The problem, one of them anyway, is that the charade around COVID, uh, the many placebos put in place, often go beyond merely annoying and venture into outright cruelty. The cruelty, for example, of telling restaurants they can't even have outdoor dining, thereby, thereby dooming many of them along with their employees and owners to financial ruin, even while allowing, as we saw last week, movie studios to have large catered lunches in the same parking lot where the restaurants you just destroyed were having their outdoor dining that you just said was dangerous. That's not just hypocritical and arbitrary, it's monstrous. The people responsible are sociopaths who care for nothing and about no one as long as they can project the appearance that they're doing something. Um, But when it comes to theatrical but cruel and, and ineffective COVID safety measures, near the top of the list has to be the requirement that kids, especially very young children, wear masks. So we've seen episodes like this play out many times over the last several months. But this latest incident has gotten special attention for good reason, I think. A young family, mother, father, and daughter, kicked off a United Airlines flight and initially banned, they said, from future flights because the daughter wouldn't wear a mask. The daughter is two years old. I say again, two years old. Now, before we play the footage from the plane, here is the mother, Eliz Orban, uh, talking about their experiences when they attempted to take a United flight from Denver to Newark. And here's what she had to say. We just got kicked off the flight because our two-year-old would not put on a mask. And we tried. I mean, I'm going to put a video on. And they're sending all of our bags and Adeline's car seat to New York. And we're banned off of United Forever because a two-year-old would not put on a mask. So they kicked them off the flight, banned them, and still sent their bags to their destination. Like I said, cruelty. She says here that they tried to get the child to wear the mask, but she just wouldn't do it. Indeed, they did. In fact, as you can see in the video, if anything, they tried too much. If you can fault a family at all in this situation, it's for being too compliant, if anything. Though I don't fault them or blame them because it's difficult for families to navigate this insanity. You know, And I I would know as someone who has two toddlers and two other young children, it's very difficult. We're being put in very difficult situations. Anyway, here's what happened on the plane. Watch. Why? We're, we're over here holding this mask on her face. I'm sorry, sir. I gave you the opportunity. I, and I took that opportunity and I ran with it. You see this? I'm literally filming her face. I gotta keep it up. Do you guys do this all the time or what? Like, what? This is compliance. I'm literally holding it okay. over my daughter's face. This is compliance right here. She, we can't force her. She's literally holding it and she's crying. You're going to do this to us? Yeah? Wow. All right, let's go. Okay, so then they get kicked off the uh, the plane. They were so desperate to get the two-year-old to wear the mask that the father was initially holding the mask over the child's face as she squirmed to get away. But, which I wouldn't recommend doing, by the way, but that wasn't good enough. 
and they were kicked off the flight and humiliated anyway. This, of course, is total madness uh, for several reasons. Let's, let's establish just two of them. Number one, have you ever tried to get a two-year-old to wear like a hat or gloves in the wintertime? Even just getting them into the gear is like trying to force a cat to take a bubble bath with them squirming and fighting and kicking to get away. And once you manage to get them into their Eskimo suit, they will immediately begin shedding all the pieces as soon as they get outside. Hat comes off, one glove, a boot, you know, and they're, and they're, they're, they're strewn somehow across like a mile, even though the kid wasn't even a mile away. It's all off. And then, of course, they cry because they're too cold and you have to go back inside. 90 minutes of preparation for nine seconds of fun. That's parenting in a nutshell. But the point is, if, if you can't get a two-year-old to wear a hat or gloves, even when it's cold outside and they at least partially understand why they're supposed to wear that stuff, you aren't going to get them to wear a piece of cloth over their face, especially when they have not the slightest clue why they have to. Of course, every time I talk about this, I invariably hear from some proud parent somewhere who says, hey, I have a two and a half year old and he wears the mask without a problem. What's 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 the issue with your kids? Well, good for you. Or maybe not, because if your two year old does wear the mask, either he's naturally one of the most remarkably compliant young children on planet Earth, which may not be as good as it sounds in the long run, or you have successfully scared him so badly that he wants to wear it because he thinks he'll die or get screamed at if he doesn't. And I'm guessing that most young children who wear the mask without a problem fit more into that latter category. The fact is that most normal children at that age, if they have parents who are not willing to bully and terrify them, won't wear the mask. And for whatever amount of time they do wear it, they're going to be chewing it, licking it, doing all kinds of other gross things with the mask. And it will quickly make them far more susceptible to germs than they would have been without it. That's the first point. Second point, if we're supposed to follow the science, why aren't we doing it here? Children are not at all likely to spread the virus. This is the whole reason why shutting down schools is such a monumentally terrible idea. New York City shut down schools a few weeks ago when the positivity rate in the general population of the whole city supposedly had reached 3%. But the positivity rate at school we're somewhere around 0.2%, not 2%, 0.2%. What this means is that children are only rarely contracting the virus and even more rarely spreading it. And a study just published out of Iceland um, involving 40,000 people confirms this. National Ge Geographic reports report just came out uh, yesterday, says this 40,000 person study found that children under 15 were about half as likely as adults to be infected and only half as likely as adults to transmit the virus to others. Almost all the coronavirus transmissions to children came from adults. So half as likely to be infected and half as likely to transmit it. So, so then what's the likelihood that a toddler with no symptoms both has the virus and will spread it if she does have it? Very small. But even that doesn't tell the whole story because we can probably assume that the rare child who does spread the virus likely is symptomatic when they do. That just seems like the most likely thing. The chances of an asymptomatic child spreading the virus must be even tinier than these numbers then indicate. Point being, that toddler on the plane is almost certainly not going to get you sick. I mean, there's a chance. It's just not a very high chance. Toddlers walking by you on the street or sitting within proximity 
of you for a few minutes somewhere are even less likely. And yet toddlers across the country on planes and off planes are forced to wear the mask. Why? Well, the answer is what we've already said. It's a charade. It's theater. The point is to make people feel better, feel safer, feel like something is being done. But it's certainly not making the children feel better. You know, we're only confusing them at best, traumatizing them at worst. So this is all about the adults. That child had to be muzzled and then thrown off the plane so that the adults around her could have their hysterical paranoia assuaged. Adults are making children suffer so that they, the adults, can feel safer. This is the exact opposite of how society is supposed to work. We're supposed to be the calming voices, the rational ones. We're supposed to be the ones saying to the children, it's okay, everything will be fine, don't be scared. Instead, now the adults are growling, put the mask on, put it on, put it on, you're scaring me. It's, it's cowardice unlike anything I've ever seen before. It is the most ridiculous and undignified display I can possibly imagine. But it's also not all that new. I mean, this is par for the course in a certain way. After all, we're a country that kills babies for being inconvenient, drugs children in school in order to make them cooperative in class. So this is a logical extension of what we've already been doing. It is then not surprising, but we should be no less embarrassed and ashamed for it. Now let's get to our five headlines. By the way, you can see behind me um, on the set there, the, uh, my, my banjo, my cherished banjo, which I play all the time, as you know, sitting on top of uh, a couple of books. If you want to know what that's all about, you can go to my Instagram page. I do have Instagram. You can go there and, and, uh, and check it out. Uh, I don't want to say much more about it than, than that. I'm not happy about it, is all I can say. When am I happy about anything? Let's go uh, number one here. Bad news, I'm afraid. Bill Gates, whose opinion on COVID is supposed to matter for some reason, uh, says that it's going to be a while before life can return to normal. And it's going to be a while before restaurants can open again. He was on with Jake Tapper and was talking about it. This is what he had to say. Certainly by the summer, we'll be way closer to normal than we are now. But even through early 2022, unless we help other countries get rid of this disease and we get high vaccination rates in our country, the risk of reintroduction will be there. And of course, the global economy will be uh, slowed down, which hurts America economically in a pretty dramatic way. So we'll have, starting in the summer, about nine months where a few things like big public gatherings uh, will still be restricted. But you know, we can see now that somewhere between 12 to 18 months, and we have a chance, if we manage it well, uh, to get back to normal. Yeah, it's it's still not. Uh, and I, and I, it's, a, it's a longer clip that I'm not going to subject you to, but I watched the whole clip, and um, it's never really explained why we should care what Bill Gates has to say or why he should have any say in this. It's 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 not even like he he's he's predicting what will happen, and that would be bad enough because again, why do his predictions matter? But it's he's just saying he's he's just saying. Well, here's what we're going to be allowed to do. Now, in, 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 by, by summer of uh, next year, you, you can go fully back to normal. Who Says who? You? But, of course, Bill Gates 
has the um, has the, the the ability and and is 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 able um, has the luxury of sort of sitting back and speaking about these things. Oh yeah, you know, a few more months. Well, I keep the restaurant shut down. Yeah, I'll keep him down, shut down for four or five months, maybe maybe longer. Yep, because he's a multi-billionaire. And we should also mention that Microsoft, um, during this pandemic, like so many other giant billion-dollar corporations, has done very, very well. They've 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 done record profits, especially with everybody, you know, moving even more online, doing online meetings and stuff. Um, Microsoft, other big tech companies, are doing very well. Bill Gates, of course owns a lot of shares of Microsoft. And uh, so he, he's, he's recording record profits. He, he's making lots and lots of money. And he's sitting there and saying to, to restaurant owners, oh yeah, just, just stay down. Just, just stay shut down for four more months. We talked about being a sociopath. I mean, this to me is sociopathy. Just don't care at all. N- not even pretending to care. Not even pretending to acknowledge the suffering. That is what uh, of everything else, that's, that's one of the, the main things that has graded me, and I think has graded all of us throughout this entire thing, is that you not only have people like Bill Gates and Fauci and all of these other um, bureaucrats and, and, and uh, billionaires and, and rich people, not only are they, are they pushing for these lockdowns, but they're not acknowledging at all the suffering. They're just being flippant about it. Because to them, it just doesn't matter. And again, this makes them feel safer. If society shuts down, Bill Gates feels safer. All right. um, Speaking of symbolic moves, moving on, number two, Cleveland Indians baseball team are going to be changing their name um, after, uh, I think, what is it, 100 years, over 100 years, 105 years or something. They've been the Cleveland Indians, and now they've, uh, it's uh, it's been announced that they're going to change their name. We don't know what they're going to change their name to yet. Uh, I don't think I don't think they've officially come out with their statement, but this is the report. I think we can pretty reliably say they're going to be changing the name, um, probably for 2021. I guess they're going to be the Cleveland baseball team, like the like the, the the Washington football team. And why are they changing it? Because it's offensive. Just the Cleveland Indians is somehow offensive. At least with the Redskins. Now I was against the Redskins changing the name, and the main reason I was against the Redskins changing the name. Because in a vacuum, you know, putting everything else aside, if none of this other PC craziness was happening and it was suggested that just the Redskins might change their name, I wouldn't have a big problem with it. But when you're doing it in response to um, this, this PC tidal wave and you're responding to the pitchfork mob, that's when I say we can't do it. It's just like with tearing down statues. Of all the statues that have come down, there might be a couple of them of all the dozens that have been teared down, maybe a couple of them, you could make an argument for, for taking those statues down. A couple of them. But even for those, I would say in this environment, they should stay up. Because even if you could make an argument for it, what I know for sure you shouldn't do is take down a statue because the pitchfork mob is demanding it. The pitchfork mob should never get what they want, period. And if they demand it, that's reason enough not to do it. At another time, if we can have a, just a thoughtful, intelligent conversation about this and be normal, civilized people, then maybe you could present your argument, but not in this environment. So that was it with the, with the Washington Redskins. But the Cleveland Indians, though, it's just Cleveland Indians. What's offensive about that? 
And of course, it immediately brings to mind the comparison, as, as people often do, and I have, you know, the, uh, the Fighting Irish, Notre Dame. That name's still there. No one gets offended by that. But even more than that, because at least that, that comparison does come up. Here's something that rarely comes up. The Boston Celtics. Their mascot is a, is a, is a stereotypical leprechaun. Nobody ever thinks to get offended by that. I'm of Irish ancestry. I'm not offended by that. I'm not offended by that because I'm, a, I'm an adult with a brain. And I know that it wasn't meant in an offensive way. They didn't put that name on there because they had some plot to offend Irish people. Same with the Cleveland Indians. But, uh, you know, I did read what the Cleveland Indians have been around for a long time. The, the name they had before the Cleveland Indians was apparently the Cleveland Naps. N-A-P-S. I don't know why. I don't know where. I, I guess if I, if I wanted to research it, I could. But I don't care that much. So they were the Cleveland Naps before. Maybe they could go back to that. Um, I think that, you know, that is an appropriate name for a baseball team, at least. Okay, number three. I just want to play this for you. Uh, see if you can make sense of it. A little bit of word salad on MSNBC. Mainly, I just want to help. I just want your help deciphering this. So, so listen and, and tell me if you can, if you can understand what's being said. Listen. Can, can sure. I just add to that for a second, Nicole? Because you know, in in Joe Biden's absence, uh, in the years that he's been away from the Senate, you know who has been there? Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, who is in the Senate even as we speak, and has had a front row seat to the climate that exists uh, in the Senate, and and you know is probably uh, you know giving Joe Biden quite an update on, on the Senate. That, that he, uh, you know, may now uh, be about to, to, to work with or not be able to work with, uh, you know, based on the, the uh, up close view that, that and, and, and involvement that, that she has had in, in trying to, uh, you know, see how Democrats, you know, can potentially work with Republicans. She is somebody that, that has had direct experience with uh, the, the exact uh, players that, that he is going to have to attempt to, to reach out to and attempt to maybe restore bipartisanship with, uh, if, if anybody knows the potential for that, I think that this is another potential way in which she can be an asset to him. Got it. Did you get that? I mean, I didn't get it, but I hope you did. I don't know. I, I'll have to run that through Google Translate. Number four, the Vatican debuted its official nativity scene. And um, this is it. You can see some of the pictures. If you're watching the show right now, you can see it. If you're, if you're listening, um, I'll describe it to you. And of course, the Vatican has their nativity scene every year. Um, usually usually quite quite beautiful. This year, not so much. And um, I'm looking at some of the pictures now. I, I can't, it's, it's hard to even des- describe what's going on here. But it looks like, uh, first of all, just rant, just basically just random objects sitting there. And it, I'm, I'm guessing that this is um, the Virgin Mary with holding the, the, the baby Jesus. But it looks like she has a, almost like a, uh, an astronaut helmet on. So this is like Darth Vader. And then there's some weird demon-like creature in the background. Um, this, it won't surprise you to learn, is modern art. Art. Big square, scare quotes around that. Uh, this is a, a nativity scene. These were sculptures that was that were sculpted in I think 1965 or something, and this is what this is the nativity scene the Vatican is giving us. Uh, modern art, once again, proven to be uh, incredibly ugly and pointless, and sort of revolting, and slightly disturbing. But also, you know, the, the, maybe one of the main things that, that bothers me about modern art is how sort of cowardly it is. Uh, it's, it's afraid to say anything. 
just abstract and weird and it does, it's not really anything. And, well, you can interpret it. And that's some of the defenses of, of uh, the, the people that have spoken up to defend this nativity scene have said, well, you know, you can interpret it. You interpret it how you want. Well, I don't, I don't want to interpret it. It's, you're, you're the artist presenting something to me. You tell me what you're saying. It's not up for, for me to tell you what you're saying. You have something to say. You want to present an image or something. Just present it. But I should be able to know what it is. It should be clear to me what you are saying. It's not about me projecting my own uh, thoughts onto, onto your work. That's what you get. Of course, we can't get the traditional nativity scene where it's just beautiful images. Everybody understands what it is. And we can judge it as beautiful because we understand what it is. Number five, the New York Times has a new article uh, worth reading. Maybe you could check it out. It says, here's, here's the caption on Twitter. It says, an increasing number of men are taking up sewing, not only to break traditional gender stereotypes, but also to advocate for body acceptance, racial justice, and more sustainable lifestyles. So the headline there is that sewing now is, uh, is men have never sewed before, but sewing now is a, is a, is a statement of racial justice. I'm not exactly sure how, but, um, it does remind me of a conversation. I know I, you know, I went to men's warehouse recently to get fitted for a suit. So I only get, you know, only, only the classy stuff works for me. And, um, you know, the tailor there was fitting me for the suit and I said to him, you know, do you, are you in this line of work for racial justice? Is that why you're doing it? To break down gender stereotypes and to make a statement for racial justice and sustainable living? And he looked at me and he said, yes, that's exactly it. And tears welled up in my eyes and we just held each other and wept. And everybody else in the men's warehouse was staring. But I'm glad the New York Times has picked up on that the same way that I was able to. Well, there's, there are a few things that have more value to your everyday life than just getting a good night's rest. And if you go through a period of time where you're not sleeping well, maybe you've gone your whole life and not slept well because, you, you know, you've, you, you struggle with insomnia and all that. I know I have it at various points in my life, especially now that I have kids. And if you go through that, you know how much it affects your, your day-to-day life and just your general well-being. And that's why you got to focus on, you know, being comfortable when you sleep. And my pillow is the place you got to go for that. Um, everything you could possibly want to make to make sure that you can sleep at night and you're comfortable while you're sleeping, you can get it my pillow. Starting with, of course, their pillows, which are just amazing. The pillows, they don't go flat. Uh, you can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they always maintain their shape. Best of all, they're made in the USA. Um, if you don't have a my pillow or know someone who doesn't have one and, and would want one, then you can get a my pillow now. It's a great Christmas gift as well. Uh, you can get a queen-size premium MyPillow regularly $69.98. You can get it now for only $29.98. That's a $40 savings, and kings are only $5 more. So this is incredible savings you can get for yourself. Maybe buy one for yourself. Buy one as a gift as well. Give yourself a gift. Give someone else a gift as well. Now's the time to buy. Um, not only are you going to get the lowest price ever, but they're the best Christmas gifts ever as well. Again, $29.98 for a queen-size premium MyPillow. Buy now and Mike will extend his 60-day money-back guarantee to March 1st, 2021. Money-back guarantee is a great thing to have in your back pocket. You're not going to need it, though, I guarantee you, because you're going to love the pillow so much. Go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener square. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream Bed Sheets, the MyPillow Mattress Topper, and MyPillow Towel Sets. Or call 800-651-1148 and use promo code 
Daily Wire. Also, on the subject of the Daily Wire, on Monday, December 21st, the historical docuseries Apollo 11, What We Saw, will soon be available exclusively at dailywire.com. Originally released as an audio podcast for Apple and Spotify, What We Saw will be available to watch as well as listen to on the Daily Wire app, uh, Apple TV, or Roku app, or at dailywire.com. This docuseries takes a detailed look at the, the Apollo 11 mission to land a man on the moon. If you listen to this, you know how great it is. I listened to it, and I thought it was just uh, riveting. A dramatically inspiring story. Apollo 11, what we saw, is a fantastic series to watch with your loved ones over the holiday break. If you're looking for something to do, uh, there's a lot of garbage to watch. Here's something that's, um, that the whole family can enjoy. Also, really educational on top of it. Right now, get it for 20% off with code WATCH when you become an insider or above member over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. And make sure to download our Apple TV or Roku app to get all of our content on your big screen, including our podcasts and special live streams like our upcoming Christmas edition of Backstage. That's dailywire.com slash subscribe to get 20% off your membership with code WATCH and access all of our new and existing content at dailywire.com slash subscribe. All right, let's move on now to our daily cancellation. Now, today for our daily cancellation, we must discuss the huge, massive, important scandal surrounding a recent Wall Street Journal op-ed. That op-ed, if you could believe it, if you can even stomach hearing about it, if you can endure the shock, that op-ed criticized Jill Biden. Shocking stuff. Yes, the big news here is that first ladies are off limits again. After four years of Melania Trump being mocked and belittled and criticized ruthlessly, even having her, you know, private conversations secretly recorded and published, I can now report that it is once again sexist to say anything bad about the first lady. The ring of protection is being placed around her once more. That this ring of protection only seems to descend from the heavens when there's a Democrat in the White House is, of course, entirely coincidental. Uh, Whether it'll be sexist or not to criticize the first lady, that is something decided by the alignment of the planets and the stars. It's quite mystical and mysterious. There is nothing political about it. Trust me on this. And that is why this editorial from a man named Joseph Epstein has been met with extraordinary, unquenchable rage. Here's the report in Variety about it. It says the Wall Street Journal is facing backlash to its December 11th op-ed that chided incoming first lady, lady, Dr. Jill Biden, and suggested that she drop the doctor from her title during her time in the White House. Written by Joseph Epstein, the column states that Dr. Jill Biden, that, quote, Dr. Jill Biden sounds and feels fraudulent, not to say a touch comic. Contending that because Biden has her doctorate in education, not medicine, she should drop the title. The piece also calls Biden a, quote, kiddo. Sorry, excuse me. I'm, I'm so scandalized that she called, that he called her kiddo that I have to stop and collect myself for a moment. That's rough stuff. That is rough, rough stuff. Kiddo. My God. That piece also suggests, suggests that, that someone should only be called doctor if they have delivered a child and undermines the value of her education. But many people on Twitter felt differently and didn't hold back in expressing their opinions. Jill Biden's spokesman, Michael LaRosa, blasted the essay's sentiments and the journal's decision to run it. Addressing uh, the Wall Street Journal's editorial features editor, LaRosa wrote on Twitter, James Toronto, you and the Wall Street Journal should be embarrassed to print the disgusting and sexist attack on Dr. Biden running on the opinion page. If you had any respect for women at all, you would remove this repugnant display of chauvinism from your paper and apologize to her. Hillary Clinton tweeted a simple yet effective statement. Her name is Dr. Jill Biden. Get used to it. 
Will and Grace actor Deborah Messing told the Wall Street Journal that their hatred for women is showing and called the whole ordeal a disgusting display of misogyny. Jamal Bowman, the Democratic representative-elect for New York's 16th Congressional District and former middle school principal, wrote that, quote, the erasure of Dr. Jill Biden's expertise is shrouded in both sexism and disrespect for the teaching profession. Educators are experts, he continued. While we're at it, it's also Dr. Jamal Bowman. Um, And on and on. Lots of histrionics, lots of tearful sexism accusations, lots of academics without medical degrees touting their own credentials. Jill Biden, excuse me, Dr. Jill Biden, did not address the controversy directly, but did offer this response on Twitter, which is being hailed as an epic clapback. She said, together, we will build a world where the accomplishments of our daughters will be celebrated rather than diminished. And to that, I would say, yes, we should celebrate our daughter's accomplishments. We should also celebrate Jill Biden's accomplishments as soon as she has one. For now, I must admit, I I tend to agree with Joseph Epstein. Jill Biden got a doctor in education at the age of 55. So good for her. But I'm just not terribly impressed by a rich woman with lots of time on her hands and no young kids to care for getting a doctorate in education. I, I certainly don't see why I should have to acknowledge the achievement every time I say her name. You know, you could say it takes a lot of work to get a doctorate in education. I'm skeptical, but maybe that's true. What I do know, though, is that it takes a lot of work to become a great mechanic or an expert electrician. There are carpenters with so much skill and experience that they have reached the level of master carpenter. And yet, if I was a master carpenter and insisted that you address me as Master Walsh, you'd think I was insane. And that's exactly how I feel about people without medical degrees going around calling themselves doctors and demanding that you address them accordingly. In fact, even medical doctors shouldn't want you to call them doctor outside of the doctor's office or professional, uh, you know, similar professional setting. I can see the need to single out the doctors with a special title when you're actually in a medical environment. It's important to acknowledge who's the doctor and who isn't, right? I don't see any reason to treat doctors with greater reverence or courtesy than I would anyone else in general society, though. So even a medical doctor is only Mr. or Mrs. to me when I see them on the street. But somebody with a doctorate in education? Why would I give any special notice to that whatsoever? I could sooner be convinced to honor a t- you know to, to to honor someone with a title uh, if they're a, you know a long tenured shift supervisor at Wendy's, uh, as I find his achievements far more impressive than earning a useless degree because you're in your fifties and looking for something to do. In fact, given that the fast food industry has been deemed essential by the government, maybe all the people in that line of work can affix essential to their names as a permanent honorific. Actually, media is essential too, apparently. So. I can do the same. My name is Lord Matt Walsh Essential. Pleased to meet you. Or it would, ju- it would be, I guess, just Lord Walsh ES in writing. The Lord part I'm just throwing in there because why not? You know, I mean, we could just add whatever titles we want, I guess. I could go buy a plot of land in Scotland or something and officially earn the title, I suppose. In the end, of course, it doesn't matter what Jill Biden calls herself. It's just sort of annoying and pretentious. The main thing that makes me want to defend Epstein is that all of the most irritating and absurd people are losing their minds over what he said. The more they demand that we call Jill Biden doctor and cry that it's sexist if we don't, the more I must insist otherwise and laugh at their tears or bottle them in the handy vessel I have here for such purposes. And that's why all the people whining today are canceled. Dr. Jill Biden is also canceled. 
So says I, Dr. Lord, Sir, Mr. Walsh, Esquire, the fourth. Also, by the way, uh, Ben Shapiro is going to have more, a lot more to say on, uh, on this subject. And his wife is a doctor, by the way, if you hadn't heard. So uh, I'll be interested to hear his take on, on this issue. But in any case, Jill Biden is still canceled, I'm afraid. As I said, many more cancellations to come in the future. But we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including the Ben Shapiro Show, the Michael Knowles Show, and the Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodowski. The show is edited by Danny D'Amico. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And production assistant, McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. The first shipment of the coronavirus vaccine leaves the lab. President Trump stands strong on his election challenge, and Joe Biden's doctorate comes under attack. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.